0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <gasps>
1: Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles uh, of a guna What's happening? How are you? Um, it's transfer deadline day. It's going to be a bit of a mad one. Um, we know it's coming. Uh, we know it's happening. Well, we know transfer deadline is coming. We don't know what exactly is happening, but it feels like something may be happening behind the scenes at Arsenal. There are reports just as I was about to hit the live button uh, to say that um, to say that Arsenal are in for Douglas Luiz of Aston Villa. That would be interesting because of course Douglas Luiz is um is heading into the last year or well, is in the last year of his contract. So Aston Villa could well let him go. Uh, Steven Gerrard alluded to the fact yesterday in his post-match press conference that there's a chance that Aston Villa will make that decision to allow Douglas Luiz to go because he, as he said, they've got to do what's best for the club and not necessarily what's best for Steven Gerrard. So watch this space on that one. Uh, We'll, of course, keep you updated uh, throughout the day with any big news uh, that emerges with regards to the Gunners. But for the time being, For the time being, Uh, we're going to focus on the game last night: Arsenal two, Aston Villa one. Uh, This is our review podcast, so it isn't going to be very transfer heavy. We will, of course, bring you more content later on in the day to talk transfers. I'm also going to be joined live tonight at 7:30 p.m. by Adrian Clarke, who I know a lot of you are a big fan of. So we've got that to look forward to, as well as any impromptu bits that will come your way off the back of, as I say, any news coming out. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into the game last night. And it was another really good performance from the Gunners overall, I thought, particularly in that first half. That was as dominant as we've been. That was as controlling as we've been. The tempo was there right from the off. Um, Took us a little longer than I'd have liked for us to score. But, um, yeah, I mean... It was just, it it was amazing. Um, It it was amazing to see Arsenal sort of swarming around those Villa players uh, like an angry group of bees and and sort of winning the ball high up, making tackles, um, controlling every channel, every space, getting shots off. I think we had 15 attempts at goal or something like that in the first half. Probably should have scored at least three or four in that first period. And my only frustration when the halftime whistle blew was, how on earth is it not more? And are we going to live to regret this? And obviously, when Aston Villa equalised later on, you're starting to think, oh, my God, Um, you know, if we don't win this game, it will be robbery based on the balance of play. But thankfully, um, Arsenal, having been pegged back by Douglas Luiz's goal direct from a corner, um, were able to respond very, very quickly and were able to once again get their noses in front and ultimately kill an Aston Villa side off whose confidence is low. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Aston Villa are one of the top sides at the moment. And so, you know, this is a, a amazing that we perform like that. Of course it is. And it's great and it's encouraging, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Aston Villa are not in a great moment at the moment, you know, great moment at the moment. And um, yeah, I mean, look, that, that could have been the kickstart to their season if they'd managed to get that draw, having equalized, that could have been a big moment for Steven Gerrard and a, a lift-off point almost. I think they've got Manchester City next, which is um, a very well. It's the most difficult game in the division, so it's not looking good for them. But Arsenal still had to go out there, and Arsenal still had to perform. And on another night, if we take our chances, you're talking fours, fives, maybe even sixes, because we had that many opportunities, particularly in the first period. There was a lot of talk going into the game. Um, what was going to happen in midfield? Because, of course, um, because of course, Thomas Partey was unavailable. Mohamed Elneny unavailable. Alexander Zinchenko, despite training the day before the game or being pictured in training, at least, wasn't uh, available either. He didn't even make the bench. He wasn't part of the match day squad. And so there were question marks as to what Mikel Arteta should do. Some people suggested, myself included, maybe it would be worth trying Ben White in that defensive midfield position and putting Tomiyasu in at right-back. And one of the points that we made yesterday on on one of the shows that we did was that whoever plays in that sixth position for Arsenal now isn't doing the same job that they would have been doing 24 months ago, 18 months ago. In that, they get a lot more support from the inverted fullbacks and from the fact that the centre-backs are much closer in proximity. That makes that role a lot more comfortable for whoever's playing it, it means that they've got a lot more support around them and it means that actually where making tackles and putting out fires would have been their primary responsibility in the past, their primary responsibility now is instead to progress the ball, keep things ticking, break lines. Um, obviously, they've got to do the defensive side of it as well and they've got to provide that screen for the back line where possible, but primarily now it's about breaking lines and it's about being involved in a really, really aggressive team press And so it suits Sambi Laconga now more than it did before, I would say. And he came into the team and look again, Aston Villa at this moment in time are not the benchmark. You know, it's a home game. You'd expect him to be relatively comfortable. But I just thought that because he got that support from in and around him, And he was able to get on the ball nice and early and play a few passes left and right and keep us ticking. You could just see his confidence growing and growing and growing as the match went on. And defensively, I think he did a relatively decent job as well. I thought he filled all the right holes, protected um, the defence at the right moments. But yeah, the way he just kept us ticking, kept the ball moving, I can't remember him misplacing a pass. Not only were they simple passes, not only were they Short passes, there were long passes, there were diagonal balls out to the flank. In particular, there were a couple out to Gabby Martinelli, who's become so good at bringing those down and really taking the game to the fullback. Um, But yeah, I just thought he was really, really good last night, really assured, Sambi Laconga. And when he first came to the club, there was a lot of hype around him, there was a lot of talk about what this guy could develop into. And then he had a, a few questionable performances, made a couple of mistakes along the way. And people became unconvinced, unsure. And I'm not saying that based on one performance, you should now say, we don't need a midfielder. Sambi Laconga is 100% the answer. And that is that. But he just reminded people again yesterday of why it is that Arsenal made that investment in him, why it is that he's been kept at the club, because particularly on the ball, he's a very, very tidy player, very comfortable player. And, um, and really helped the team to tick. And and I really, really enjoyed his performance. And I was delighted for him because sometimes as a young player, you know, you get a big move and you're on cloud nine and then you have a couple of difficult moments, a couple of difficult performances and all of a sudden, you're not flavour of the month anymore. People are questioning whether you're experienced enough to hold down a role at a football club of this size. People are questioning whether or not you can be relied upon. People are questioning whether or not Arsenal were right to sign you, to pay what they paid for you. And so to bounce back from that and put in a really good performance must be, um, you know, great. But again, I want to re-emphasise the point that I think the role he's playing now, the role of the six in this Arsenal team is a much more comfortable one, a different one in terms of what the primary responsibilities are. And I think that Sambi Lekonga really did benefit from that. It was interesting as well because we know that Ben White tucks in you know, he's, he's been great at right back. You have to say defensively, he's been sound, but he's also contributed a lot more going forward than I thought he would. Um, he is a centre-back by nature. Uh, he is a centre-back in terms of his build, in terms of his physicality. And so you often wonder if those types of players can be as mobile as a modern day fullback needs to be. But Ben White was brilliant, you know, going on the outside, stepping in the inside as well when necessary to help with the press and um, and to help in the build-up. Supporting Sambi Conga really well in the middle of the park, but as did Kieran Tierney from the other side. Now, I don't think it was Kieran Tierney's best performance. Now, I'm not wishing to be critical of him, but I don't think that that inverted role is necessarily what he's used to. And I think it's going to take him a bit of time. I, I really do. I, I think it's going to take him a bit of time to change the habits that he's built throughout his career, i.e. going on the outside, occupying certain spaces to, to now change all of that. And for your first reaction and first instinct to be to step inside and tuck in, I think is it, it's you know it's a lot to ask of someone to change their old habits. Old habits die hard, and I thought there were a couple of times Kieran went to make that move, which was obviously the right move based on his instruction. But he just got a little bit lost. Again, I don't think he played badly. I'm not saying that, but you could see that there's there's still a little bit more learning to be done on Kieran Tierney's part when it comes to the role that Mikel Arteta is asking our left-back to play right now. But he did get inside. He did help out. Um, and he really, really did um, did contribute as well. Um, but also as well, you have to give praise to Granit Xhaka for his role in supporting Sambi Lekonga, um, in not leaving him out to dry. You know, there's there's times where We've talked about it before, Sambi Conga playing in midfield has is, is needed a bit of support and he hasn't always had it. And I thought Granit Xhaka did a great job yesterday of being aware enough of Conga being there and the fact that it's not Thomas Partey and that he needs to support him, but also carrying out the tasks that he's been given as well. Um, in an attacking sense, getting into those inside spaces, uh, those half spaces, I beg your pardon and impacting the game that way as well. I said in my instant reaction video from Emirates Stadium last night that I didn't think Granit Xhaka had his greatest game. And I got a little bit of stick and a little bit of heat in the comments for that. And look, it's hard to contextualise in a two, three minute video that you do straight after the game. I have watched the game back again this morning in full. And what I would say is he, did, he had a good game, Granite Jacker, but it wasn't the best game we've seen from him in recent weeks. That's kind of all my point was. He did give the ball away a few times in the first half. Heavy passes, sloppy passes, playing the ball behind people. And he didn't look quite at it. But you can't fault his effort. You can't fault his work rate. You can't fault his... Um, you know, his, uh, his willingness to carry out his defensive duties as well as what he's been asked to do in the offensive phase as well. So it wasn't uh, Granite Jacker was bad tonight. Those of you that watch or listen to this on a regular basis will know that I'm one of Granite Jacker's biggest fans. But there were elements to his performance in the first half I thought he could have done better. And it was as simple as that. I think he's really raised the bar in recent weeks. I think he's set the bar really, really high. And, um, and so as a consequence of that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, we're going to look at it now, or we're going to look at yesterday's performance and think there were, there were points where he, he wasn't at his brilliant best, but that doesn't mean he played badly. I want to talk about a few other players as well. I want to talk about Bukayo Saka, who I thought had a much, much better game last night. I've been one of the people at the start of this season that said, you know, he, he's not quite been at it. He's not quite been at his best. He's still been effective. He's still done largely what he's been asked to do. But he hasn't brought us that cutting edge in the final third in the way that we all know he can. He hasn't brought us that in the way that Martinelli has so far this season or that Gabriel Jesus has or that Martin Odegaard has. But last night, he was right back at it. He was quick. He was sharp. He was, um, He was. Um, you know, He was. he was physical. How many times was he sort of winning the ball off of people, getting his body in the way? And he's so deceivingly strong for a guy of his build. Um, but he was just superb. He caused absolute chaos for Lucas Digne at left back for Aston Villa. And yes, he missed a glorious opportunity in the first half, which he really should have scored. But the assist for the Gabriel Martinelli winner, I thought was superb because it's very easy in that situation to lose your composure. And having received the ball where he did, it would have been easy to kind of just have tunnel vision, try and shift the ball out of your feet and get a strike off back across goal. But instead, he took a a pause. He assessed the situation around him, glanced up, spotted Gabriel Martinelli and picked him out at the far post. It was an awkward finish for Martinelli. It wasn't the easiest finish in terms of the way he had to shape his body, et cetera, et cetera. But as Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference, if you get it on target, you've always got a chance. And thankfully for us, Emi Martinez wasn't at his best because if that was our keeper, I'd be livid he didn't save that. Um, But Saka, much, much better. Maybe it was a case of him getting up to speed in terms of his fitness. Maybe he wasn't quite at 100% at the start of the season. Some players take a bit of time to get going, to get into that zone. And it it looks as though he found it again last night, which is amazing. Um, Gabriel Martinelli for me, though. I mean, this guy, I said at the start of the season, he would be my player to watch. The one that I felt within this Arsenal group was at the point where he was about to take it to the next level. And my word, has he done that? He's scoring goals. He causes havoc every time he gets the ball on that left-hand side. Balls pinged out to him from all angles. And and people have the confidence that he can bring it out of the air just with so much ease and make something happen. And he's he's done that. He's been doing it. Um, And, uh, you know, in the lead up to that winning goal that I'm talking about, not only did he put the finishing touch on it he um he was uh he was the guy that was played in behind by gabriel superb pass from gabriel by the way from the back but his ability to just run off the shoulder bring it down and make things happen is just it's so invaluable in modern day football someone who every time they get the ball you look at him and you think my god this guy can make something happen Um, So, yeah, great performances all round. Um, I want to touch on Aston Villa's goal. Um, I think that at the time I I felt like there was maybe a foul on Aaron Ramsdale, but I did say in my instant reaction video that from my end of the stadium, it was really difficult to kind of see through the crowd of players and work out exactly what had gone on there. It did go, obviously, um, to the VAR as well. And I think having watched it back, I I don't think there was enough to rule that goal out, to be honest with you. I think Arsenal have got to defend it better. I think Arsenal have got to be stronger in the way they defend those situations. I think a goalkeeper's got to be stronger. I don't think, for example, Jens Lehmann allows that to happen to him, a player to kind of pin him in the way uh, that I think it was Kamara did to Aaron Ramsdale. So, You know, we got to be mindful of that. We, it's very quick and it's very easy, and and sometimes we can be quick to point fingers at the official. I did have some gripes with the official last night, but that wasn't really the biggest one. Um, You know, it was a really good ball whipped in by Douglas Louise, who we mentioned at the top of the show. He's been linked with a move to Arsenal today, Uh, but we'll keep you across that story, of course, as and when it develops, if it develops. But yeah, um, I wasn't too fussed about about that refereeing call once I got home and watched it, because as I say, I think the goalkeeper's got to be stronger. I think the goalkeeper's got to make sure that that doesn't happen to him. And uh, it's a learning curve for Aaron Ramsdale. But I was unhappy with some of the challenges from some of the Villa players and the the length of time and the amount of offences it took before some of those Villa players went into the book in comparison to some of ours who would make one tackle and be shown the yellow card without any hesitation. The tackle on Martin Odegaard was was nasty, um, was heavy. And he obviously went off uh, after getting that kick. I don't know what the what the situation is with Martin Odegaard. We haven't had an update from the club as of yet, but you're sitting there, fingers crossed, hoping and praying that he's going to be available for Manchester United on Sunday because he has been superb this season. And he was superb again last night brought energy, uh, work rate, technical ability, moves the ball quickly, dribbles the ball, can control it in really tight sp- spaces and suck in sometimes three or four opposition players before pinging it left and right and getting us going. Um, He's just so, so important to this team. And although Emil Smith-Rowe and Fabio Vieira are waiting in the wings, can they do that job to the standard that Martin Odegaard does it? I, I don't think so. So it is a blow. It is frustrating. It is disappointing. Um you know, that he had to go off injured. I don't know if Ben White went off injured as well because he did go off um, and was replaced by Tommy Asu. I wonder if that was just giving him a break because he put a lot of work in. Um, the encouraging thing, I guess, about the players that did go off is that none of them went down the tunnel to receive treatment, which suggests that whatever happened was probably a knock and probably nothing more. Again, I don't know that Ben White picked up a problem, but I found it strange that when the game was on a knife edge like that, we would make that change. But anyway... Um, fresh legs and Tommy Asu is not exactly a bad player to bring on in uh, in place of him, is he? Um I thought that uh, I thought that Eddie Nketiah was superb again when he came on, did a real good job for us running the channels, gave us an energy and a freshness up front that we'd started to lose um at that point in the game, carried the ball well, ran down the clock effectively. So, yeah, lots of um lots of positives again. Um, as you'd expect when when Arsenal are, f- are flying uh, the way they are at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's five wins out of five. And, you know, I talked about this last night. I'm not saying that, you know, if we didn't win last night, that there'd be a shit ton of pressure on us going into Old Trafford uh, on Sunday because of how well we've played and how well we've started the season. But... It just gives us that little bit of insurance now, doesn't it, that Manchester United, for me now, I know they're beatable. I know they've started the season poorly. I know they have found their legs in a little bit, uh, found their form a little bit more over the last couple of games. But they're still not the formidable Manchester United that we faced in years gone by. So you should be confident that we can go there and get a victory. But a draw away at Man United, having won our first five, wouldn't be bad, would it? It would be a really, really positive result. Spurs dropped points again last night. Liverpool should have dropped points. They were extremely fortunate yesterday, um, particularly with the the officials playing eight minutes or something when six or so were added on. Um, They were extremely fortunate. And they could have been 10 points behind us. She's mad at this point in the season. So, you know, other people are dropping points. and, And we've got to take advantage of this momentum. If we can go to Man United and win, oh man, what a confidence boost that would be that would take things up to another level, wouldn't it? It would add pressure equally because people would start to look at us in a different light. But, you know, there's a part of me that wants people to take Arsenal seriously because we are a serious side who are improving, who are on the right track, who are very stable in terms of the group that we have at the moment, the management, the way the management is working in tandem with the club's hierarchy. There's a lot of stability at Arsenal Football Club and it's great. It's brilliant to see. But... There's also a part of me that doesn't want people to pile pressure on Arsenal because there's a young side who are, as I say, still growing, still developing, who could probably benefit from, I'm not going to say going under the radar. You can't go under the radar when you're top of the Premier League. You can't go under the radar in this league anyway, such as the level of coverage around it and the amount of talk and noise and um, hyperbole around it. You can't go about your business in the dark and in the shadows, but you can, um you know, every now and again, if you if you drop points, then people will look at you and go, well, you know, I'm not sure. And then that reduces the pressure levels. I know this probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but the point I'm trying to make here is that if we go and win at United, it's, oh my God, Arsenal are title contenders now. A lot of people will say that. If we don't win at United, if we draw, for example, it's, well, Arsenal are better. Arsenal are still moving in the right direction. Arsenal um, would have lost that game last year and in years prior. And they're unbeaten in their first six which is pretty good going let's see where they can go so the difference in narrative and noise around arsenal i think changes um quite substantially if arsenal go to old Trafford and get all three points whereas a draw keeps us unbeaten and just curbs that emotion and that enthusiasm that maybe is getting the better of some people in in their assessments of how we can do this season not saying that i'd prefer not to win the game But I'm just saying it it, for me, it's a must not lose fixture rather than a must win one at this point in the season. And um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's a shame that we're going to be without some key players. We're going to preview that game in detail. Of course, tomorrow we'll look ahead to that one and um, and and sort of break it down. But um, just, you know, the feel good vibe is 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 just so positive at the moment, isn't it? a good friend of mine, um, over at Talksport, Alfie Reynolds was reporting on the game yesterday, and he messaged me. Um, he messaged me and said, um, you know, that the atmosphere was great, and it was great to see the Emirates bouncing like that. And, and and sort of my reply to him was, you know, and Alfie's not an Arsenal fan, so he's not he's not there every single week. But my point was kind of like, I think only when you go there as a non-Arsenal fan, only when you go there and experience the 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 sort of feel-good factor in and around the club, do you completely understand why Arsenal fans right now are so happy? Because it's not just about the results. They obviously play a massive part. It's not just about the performances. That obviously plays a huge part too, but it's about the connection that has been re-established between players, management, fans. You can really feel that at Arsenal, and it's something that you wouldn't feel... um, something that you wouldn't totally understand unless you're in the stadium or you're an Arsenal fan and you've been kind of following the story all along. But non-Arsenal fans maybe overlook that point a little bit. And that's why maybe sometimes they say, well, you know, um, Arteta's done okay. He's done an okay job, but it's not amazing. It's not great. No, it's not amazing like up until this point, but you really do feel like something's building and something's growing and something is bubbling just under the surface and it's about to come... Uh, to boiling point. So yeah, um, really, 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 really enjoyed it again. Um, Although it was a lot more stressful, a lot closer than it needed to be. Um, But yeah. Okay. Um, That's pretty much kind of my assessment of the game. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys about the game in the chat. The transfer talk we can do a little bit of it at this point if you've got anything to say anything you want to share um drop it in the comments uh, let's get through as many of your comments as possible for the next sort of 20 minutes or so um just going to take a very very brief pause but before we do that I just want to bring you guys up to speed with the latest on offering over with our good friends at football prizes there are currently two Arsenal versus PSV Eindhoven hospitality tickets up for grabs there's also 10 instant win prizes uh, that you'd be put into the draw for tickets in 9.95 for this one and there are 149 available the competition ends on Tuesday 6th of September but as is always the case with football prizes if they sell out before that they're gone you miss the opportunity so if you are interested in this one do get involved the instant win prizes include a tony adams signed and custom framed arsenal shirt Zinchenko signed Arsenal shirt, a Ben White signed and framed uh, Emirates Stadium street sign, a back four, Tony Adams, Lee Dixon, Steve Bold, and Nigel Winterburn signed and framed Arsenal montage. At the moment, uh, at the time of recording, 97 of the 149 tickets have been sold. So if you are interested in this, then you need to get a move on. But thank you, uh, as always, to Football Prizes for their kind support of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and the link is in the description below, right? We're going to take a very short pause and we'll be back. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills, so I don't dread April every year. Producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future You will thank you. Okay, let's do it. Let's head over to the comments section. Let's get some of your thoughts, let's get some of your uh, opinions, and some of your questions. Off the back of Arsenal's fifth consecutive Premier League victory, five out of five, you can't really ask for much more. Um, let's see what we've got in the chat. Uh, Nikomo, with regards to the Arsenal project, says it's about to go bang. Hopefully, V Dub says Manu is a must-win game if we're to be taken seriously. Every critic is just waiting for us to fail against the top six. I I, I get what you're saying, but my point is that we could actually benefit from people just chilling out a little bit. I'm not saying people are going to sleep on us. You you can't sleep on a Premier League team that are doing well, but you kind of don't want the pressure on these young lads' shoulders. In my opinion, that's the way I see it. Um, Yomi says, uh, what's the news with Danilo, Tielemans and Mudrick? Um, I'll just quickly bring you up to speed based on what I know. But remember, this can go out of date very, very quickly. It's 10.30 in the morning at the moment, UK time. The transfer window closes at 11pm tonight. so There's 12 and a half hours remaining. Um, As far as I know, Danilo is something that Arsenal are exploring the possibility of. But we were told yesterday it'll be difficult to get that deal done, given that there is very little time left in the window. Yuri uh, Tielemans, we've heard nothing still. So I'm not hopeful that that is going to happen between now and the deadline. And Modric, we were told Arsenal haven't opened official talks with him. So uh, with uh, Shakhtar, I beg your pardon, over that transfer. So it don't look like that's going to happen either. Um, we did hear this morning, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that Douglas Luiz is being linked. Villa uh, could be keen to offload him if the price is right, given his contract situation. I'm sure the player would would quite like a move to Arsenal Football Club as well. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and see. Um, just stay patient, stay chilled. Let's see what happens. We know that Arsenal are trying. We know that Arsenal are working on on, on bolstering that, that midfield in particular. They've said as much. Mikel Arteta has said as much. But what I will say is this. Arsenal won't panic by. Arsenal won't do a deal just for the sake of it, just to appease people. They'll only do a deal if they think it's the right deal. And so if we don't get anything over the line, just trust in the fact that they did try and... They couldn't find what they were looking for. For years and years and years, we've overpaid, overspent, and we've panicked and been knee-jerk and brought in players that weren't fit for purpose. And that's ultimately the main reason behind Arsenal's fall from grace, I would say. So let's um let's not let's not get carried away in sort of our reaction if we don't end up with anyone. Uh, Matt says, Do you believe there is an objective real bias in officiating against Arsenal? Or are we just being biased ourselves as fans in thinking that? I'd like to think that um, I'd really like to think that there isn't any of that. And and I can't say that there is, you know, I can't I can't sit here and, and say I know for a fact that there is bias. And in, in my job, it would be wrong of me to do that. Um, and, and I don't do that. But there are games where you come away feeling really frustrating. And there are games where you feel as though you've not had the same treatment as other sides. And, and that can be incredibly frustrating, can't it? Um, incredibly frustrating um so i understand why people feel that way from time to time um but i I don't think it's bias. i think it's incompetence more than anything um got a couple of super chats coming in let me just take this one from kc um who says morning mate Talking about Sambi, it was so great to see him getting eased in with lots of encouragement from the fans. Do you think we ever had it so good at the Emirates, Harry? Keep it up. I don't think I've ever experienced such a positive atmosphere at the Emirates. I think we've had better teams. Teams as good. Um, You know, teams that were close to the top of the Premier League, teams that were in the Champions League, teams with the likes of Cesc Fabregas, Samir Nasri, Robin Van Persie, Thierry Henry. Of course, that was better in terms of the level over the course of an entire season. But I feel like we we could potentially be about to see something explode at Arsenal. And I think people feel that and understand that and our understanding of the role that they have in helping Arsenal fulfill their potential. I think I, I mentioned on a show that we did earlier in the week about Mikel Arteta and the fact that he keeps bringing up the fans thing. And the fact that that for me reinforces in people's minds that they have a really, really important role to play. Um, you know, and 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 that's contributing to the atmosphere. So I think it's clever management on his part. But you could see it last night. You're absolutely right. I mean, Sambi Laconga made a couple of good tackles, made some good passes, and the encouragement was there. Um, and that's what you want as a young player coming through, right? You want to know that everybody's in it with you. You want to know that everybody's in it um, to support you and help you. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. Um Graham Sutherland um with a, a super chat donation. Graham, that is a huge donation, mate. If if it was an accident, please let me know. Um and I'll get that back to you, I promise. because um, uh it's easy to put $4.99 and end up doing 4499 like if it is, if it is forty four ninety nine, thank you so much. If it's 4 thank you so much. If it's 80p, if it's 50p, thank you so much. All of it is appreciated, I promise you. Uh, but if it is, uh, I always do this. If if I get a donation that I think is like a lot, because I feel almost bad for it coming this way, then then please do let me know, mate. But he says, great content, Harry. I'd give up my Netflix before I'd give up my Chronicles. Uh, did you notice Louise didn't celebrate the goal? Uh, Graham says, no accident. Thank you so, so much, mate, honestly. Um you shouldn't have honestly really, really do appreciate it and um thank you so so much. Um but he says, Did you notice that Douglas Louise didn't celebrate the goal? It's interesting because he was in that corner, wasn't he? And it was kind of like, I don't know, I, I didn't really think about it at the time because I didn't think that we were linked, I didn't think that we were seriously considering that move. Um, so I, I probably didn't pay as much attention to it as maybe I should have, but You've got to think that if Arsenal are trying today to sign Douglas Luiz from Aston Villa, that this would have been in motion prior to yesterday's game. Perhaps it played a part in why Douglas Luiz was not in the starting lineup Because he's a fantastic player. I can't understand how he doesn't get into that Villa side. So maybe that played a part. Maybe the celebration is is something we should read into. Maybe you've got a point. Maybe you're onto something. And Steven Gerrard's comments post-match as well were pretty pretty defeatist weren't they you know like well you know I, I like the player i've made that clear but it's up to the club what happens with douglas louise it's up to douglas louise what happens with douglas louise so maybe that interest from arsenal which we've heard has been there before is actually further along the line than we know i don't know we'll see um sky reported this morning when i turned on sky sports news that um that douglas Louise uh, was going to be the subject. They knew that one Premier League club were going to actually make a, uh, an official offer for him. Could that be us? TalkSport reporting it now as well. A number of outlets are reporting it. So let's see. Um, let's see. But it's a really good point because I didn't think about it at the time because I didn't really know that the interest was that serious. But if it is, and if Arsenal are closing in on Douglas Louise, you'd have to think that this was put in motion prior to yesterday and maybe you're right maybe there is something to read into that uh but thank you again mate so so much um for your very very kind donation I, I honestly really do appreciate it and um yeah good to good to see you in the chat mate as always uh what else have we got um max uh says uh morning harry as brilliant as saliba is his real test will be against erling harland come on you gunners love from south africa big shout out to everybody joining us uh, from overseas at the moment. There are loads of you, as always, which is great to see. I mean, listen, Saliba's been superb so far, Okay, He's exceeded everybody's expectations up until now. But it's easy to forget at times that he's just a young defender, still making his way, still learning, and he's nowhere near his best. If he has a hard time against Erling Haaland, I'm not really going to read into that too much. I'm going to look at his overall Um, progress in his overall development before I look at individual performances against individual players. Erling Haaland is an absolute machine. I can't believe there were people talking about him potentially struggling in the Premier League and struggling to adapt to Pep Guardiola's system. Does he get as many touches on the ball every week as he'd like? Maybe not, but he scored back-to-back hat-tricks in the Premier League. Back-to-back hat-tricks. And they're playing Aston Villa next. And you wouldn't put it past him doing it again and getting a third consecutive hat-trick because he is a machine, an incredibly uh, good and effective finisher. But also he has all the physical attributes that a Premier League striker needs. I mean, how many times already have we seen him just literally with one arm hold off challenges? He's superb. He, he's he's brilliant. I think there'll be a lot more experienced um, and highly rated defenders than William Saliba that, that struggle with him. Uh, what else have we got? A uh, big hello to uh, Wada, who joins us from Kuwait. hope you're well, mate. Uh hope you're good. Um, yeah, uh, good to see you in the chat. Uh, he, somebody else mentions in the chat about the likes. Let's quickly check in where we are on the likes, because we've got uh, 300, just under 400 of you watching. Live right now on YouTube, but we've only got eighty-four likes on the board, guys. That is not good enough. Uh, let's get the likes up as much as possible, and let's try and uh, subscribe. Uh, as let's not try, let's subscribe if you haven't um, subscribed already. If you are new, because uh, we're closing in on twenty-four thousand subscribers, we're not um, we're not a million miles away from that, and we'd love to get there. Uh, maybe by end of the weekend so if you could help that would be great and then we can start pushing that final thousand towards the 25k mark which i'm desperate to get to um because that would be a real achievement uh, it really really would uh so please do leave a like subscribe to the channel if you're new uh, jw says uh, don't feel bad about donations mate here's another thank you so so much man um Really, really appreciate it. Um, As I mentioned to you guys as well last week, we're going to be taking the memberships over to another platform. If you want to stay on YouTube, you can. Um, But I'm going to drop a video when we're ready to make that migration fully, explaining why we're doing it in a bit more detail and what you can expect over on that new platform. Um, There are reasons for it. There are reasons that are beneficial to you guys and also to myself. Um, And it's to do with it's a lot to do with the cut that youtube take but it's a lot to do with the way i'll be able to manage it much more easily and the way it means that our audio listeners can also be involved in the whole membership thing because at the moment they're not you know you're either a youtube member or you're not a member at all and and that means we're limited and i, I talk about the number of subscribers that we have here on youtube we've easily got 18 19000 on audio as well and it feels like we're like those people have been excluded so I've been doing a lot of research over the last few months and there's a new platform um that's been developed that I think is the the perfect fit for what we want to do um and the the dream for me nowhere near there yet but the dream for me would be to limit the work I do elsewhere um not to stop it altogether because I love what I do I love my job and I love the elements of it that you know, come up when you do all different things. I love variety, but ultimately I'd much rather spend more time on Chronicles and making premium content and making members-only content and making, um, you know, Arsenal-related stuff than I would doing some of the other things that that I have to do to to sort of keep the lights on. So yeah, um, I'll explain it all in that video, but anything that you guys do in terms of support is so, so appreciated. Thank you. Uh, so, so much. Right. Let's go over to Twitter because lots of you are popping off about Fabrizio Romano uh, having just dropped a tweet. Uh, let's see what that tweet is. Um, and then we'll discuss it a little bit later on. Um, he's just tweeted Arsenal are now. Hold on. 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 Let me. Um, uh, one second. Here we go. Fabrizio Romano says Arsenal are now really trying to sign Douglas Luiz from Aston Villa. Not an easy deal at all, but Arsenal are trying with the agents and working on it. Player understood to be keen on the move, so it's now up to the clubs. Wow. Looks like this could happen. Arsenal could potentially make this happen. Wow. That would be quite the signing, I think. It really would. Apologies, Wada, um, who says, I'm female. So sorry. So sorry. I just assumed. That's really bad. Apologies. Um, I hope you're well and and yeah, my apologies for that. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, uh, thank you to Nashi who subscribed. Really appreciate it. Um, big shout out to the Fort Lord of Delguna, Craig. I always call him the Fort Lord of Delguna because um yeah he's he's the one that i always see um which is great and um as if he's the only fort lord of Delguna, guna but thank you craig so so much mate really really appreciate it he says i want to get in on these donations harry my friend keep up the great work thank you um oh, lots of love in the comments today as well we've got um max says i love your show so much uh love from dubai um Arsenic says, uh, "Amazing growth, Harry, from good old days of Chronicles to now. Yep, it's grown amazingly." Uh, Sharguna says, uh, "Big up, Harry. Keep up your good work from Singapore. Thank you so much." Caleb uh, says, "Hi, Harry. Watching from Liberia. How good is it to be an Arsenal fan now? Uh, yep, it is indeed. It is indeed." Uh, Matt Tomo says, "I wanted to join in on the donation fund as well. Cheers, Harry. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much." It looks like David Ornstein has also. Uh, got in on the Douglas Luiz chat. Let's see uh, what Mr. Ornstein has had to say on this as well. Arsenal Arsenal making an offer for Aston Villa midfielder Douglas Luiz. Aston Villa are adamant the 25-year-old Brazilian international is not for sale, but it's understood he wants to leave and Arsenal are exploring if it's possible before the deadline. Well, Steven Gerrard didn't give off the vibe, did he, that Aston Villa are completely against the idea of selling him. That wasn't the the impression I got from listening to Steven Gerrard yesterday. So, hmm, let's see. Maybe Ornstein's being careful. Maybe he's being cautious. Maybe he's had different information. But I just, I always think that what a manager says is is so telling at times because Steven Gerrard could have easily shut this down and and avoided. Uh, all of this nonsense on deadline day from a Villa point of view, he could have he could have said no, he's not for sale, he's not going anywhere. But instead, he called it an awkward. What did he call it? What was his exact words that he used? Um, a tu- I think he called it a touchy situation. So we'll see, we'll see. I mean, Douglas Louise. If you think about it, you, you know, we'll do a separate stream a bit later on on Douglas Louise. So I, I don't want to go into it too much. This is the post match show um but we will we will break this down a little bit later on as well uh, so stay tuned keep your notifications turned on today um keep uh, tuned to my twitter feed as well where i'll put any links for anything that we're um we're going to be uh, streaming on and talking about a little bit later on okay look we're going to leave it there for now um that concludes our uh, arsenal aston villa review podcast more content coming your way today we'll be bringing you something on on Douglas Louise, we have to. Uh, we'll also be doing uh, something on um, uh, something later. I beg your pardon. With uh, with Adrian Clark, seven thirty p.m. live UK time. Uh, I'm going to be joined by uh, the man behind the breakdown over at Arsenal. Adrian Clark is joining me. He's back on the show, and he's going to help me uh, to sort of assess Arsenal's start to the season. Talk a little bit about Villa, but also look ahead to Manchester United and any business that we're either close to getting done or have completed by that point as well so lots to look forward to notifications need to be on make sure you're subscribed uh, and we'll be back very very soon with more thank you all for your kind donations thank you for your support thank you for tuning in i'll catch you a little bit later on today i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeus.